0: Yo people, how are we? Back with another episode today and I had the pleasure of being joined by Kieran Smith. He is the founder of the Kilometer Club in Chester. He is the captain of Ballatown Football Club and he's an all-round great guy. We touched on all things running, sub-250 marathon prep, building a community for like-minded individuals, how he manages to juggle all of his training requirements and much more. I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did and if you did, please feel free to give it a share, like or follow as it helps the growth of this podcast more than you think. How was your run this morning, though?
1: Good, mate. Yeah, I did 24k. Uh, started at like f- yeah five minute kilometres basically, so average just just over five, so two hours basically, half six to half eight, and then quick shower, change, and here we are. So yeah, it was good. Heart rate again was like 138, so I'm happy with that. You know, I had training last footy training last night, I had a run yesterday morning, so mm-hmm. um, didn't have the best of sleep. Dogs not 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 very well, so he was waking me up in the night. So I'm oh, yeah. um, happy with that, with all things considered, really.
0: Yeah, decent. You must yeah. be doing some fair few miles now, like 50, 60 k a week.
1: Well, yeah, I think last last week um, was 87 k. Uh, I think on to, on for sort of 70 k this week as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I do I do include my football distance in that as well. So, yeah, still slightly slightly off off skew. But last week I didn't I didn't obviously play at the weekend because I had five yellow cards, so I was suspended. So it allowed me to <laughs> a little bit a little bit longer at the weekend. So yeah, it was a it was a good a good week last week.
0: Oh, fair. Five yellow cards. I didn't know you were that feisty.
1: Well, I mean, I don't come across like that. I think maybe on the pitch, yeah, like referees don't like me particularly. So, so, you know what? I think I think I ended up on 10 last year, so I'm, I'm, doing, <laughs> better. I'm doing much better this year. so is <laughs> yeah. not too happy, like, but yeah.
0: Oh, fair. Once
1: yeah. You step, once you step onto that line, it's like anything goes, and you
0: just want to win. Yeah, definitely. But 24k for, for breakfast this morning, obviously it's nine o'clock and you're You're cracking on with your day. You're getting up. You're getting after it. So fair dues to you. And I think with the marathon plan you've got going at the moment, I think are these the few weeks now? Maybe the next four weeks are going to be the highest running volume we do.
1: Yeah. So I think from now till yeah, probably the next four to five weeks, we're we're looking around 80k really. Um, In an ideal world, I'd probably like to do a little bit more. But obviously with my football commitments as well, I've got to be careful how much sort of distance I'm doing. So. Yeah, between sort of 70 and 85k, I'd say, over the next four weeks, average weekly. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. obviously that in, that in, involves some longer runs, some mm-hmm. medium runs and some and some short ones and on, on the odd footy session here and there as well. So, yeah, around about 80k for the week at the minute.
0: Yeah, and do you find that it's tricky to coincide that with your football at the same time and make sure you've got both in a good spot?
1: 100% mate, yeah. I mean, I think when I first started trying to juggle both, if you like it, I was definitely getting to football fatigued, and you know, running fatigued as well after after running after football. So it's just you know learning and finding that balance. But I think I have found it now. Really, I think I always need a day's complete rest before playing football. Um, but I like to think I can get away with doing a, a run two days out, uh, as long as it's not too intense and still feeling um, good going ahead uh, into the game as well. But yeah, it's hard to juggle both, isn't no, it? There's no doubt about. it. I think running probably helps my football but i'd say football probably hinders my running a little bit i I don't know yeah yeah. i think it complements your football obviously i think obviously the fitness and running ability is a a strength of mine at at football Mm -hmm. um but it probably means i can't run as much as i would like to away from football if that makes sense
0: yeah definitely I think running is a strong point to have in football because you've just got to get out of the field you've got to have a bit of an engine especially if you've been a midfielder as well but with running in particular what's the goal I know we both know what you're working towards but what's the goal for the listeners
1: yeah so Copenhagen uh, marathon in it's just over just under 10 weeks time so the plan is to try and go sub 250 I think um, that's the A goal if you like I think my previous two marathons at Edinburgh was 253 London was 255 so realistically, you know, if I could just beat those two, I'd be happy, but I would like to go sub 250. So anywhere between 249 to 252, I'd be happy. But yeah, I'd like to go sub 250. Hence why, you know, I've I've lent on you for a little bit of assistance with the the nutrition particularly, uh, just to make sure I'm in top shape going into it, really.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, nice. And you've got tattoos on your leg, haven't I mean, you? Yeah, you've got two tattoos so far. You're You're hoping to add to that as a third.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's been a bit of a, a, a running joke about what marathon to go for next because obviously <laughs> I've got Edinburgh tattooed, I've got London tattooed. Some people suggested doing Chester marathon, but I can't get Chester tattooed on my calf. I don't think it <laughs> been be Manchester. So, um, yeah, Copenhagen might look up a little bit nicer on the back of the calf and hopefully it says 249 something on, on it as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm confident we'll be able to do that. should be good. And what are the times for that? Because I know there's a lot of people who listen and they won't really know how fast that is they don't know you know in relation to maybe a 5k time or how many minutes per kilometer how how fast is that that you need to run for that 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 distance
1: yeah so if 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 we're going off like a 5k time so if you're aiming for a you know a 20 minute 5k that get you four minute average per kilometer and so that's what I'm going off as well for the marathon so I've got to sustain Four-minute kilometers for 42 kilometers, basically, um, that would get me 248. So, bit of, bit of wiggle room there. Um, so the plan is to average four-minute kilometers throughout the whole thing. Now, wow. um, at Edinburgh, I was 408 because hit the dreaded 20-mile mark and slowed right down, which brought yeah. my time, average time, right down. And then the same with London. I think I averaged 410. Um, so you know, it was there's only a few seconds either side of that, and it plays such a massive difference, you know, across 42 kilometers. So the plan is to average, yeah, four-minute Ks for the whole duration, basically. Mm-hmm. And that should yeah. get me to under 250.
0: That's so quick. I did a, a 5K in, I think it was, I averaged like a 347. And by the end of the 5K, I was, honest to God, absolutely blowing out my ass. Like, yeah. my legs were blowing up. And that was on a complete flat route, 5K, flat out. And I know, obviously, we're in a different position, you know, you and I, in terms of, like, weights and stuff. But yeah. I couldn't even think about keeping that up for a marathon <laughs> that would have been an absolute joke i just did it for 5k and i was absolutely blown out my ass um yeah. and, you know for most people if you run a 20 minute 5k that is four minute per kilometer pace you 20-minute know, 5k so you've got to do that you know i don't know how many times you know eight times in a row basically yeah. over and over and over again which is insane when you think about it it's so quick to keep up that pace and especially keep your heart rate so low and that's one thing that I have found with you that is actually quite amazing. And I was talking to George about this the other day, your heart rate variability and how low your heart rate stays and even just your resting heart rate alone. Because when you first came on board, I was like, you first got started, your, heart, your resting heart rate was like a 43, 45. And I was like, that's what somebody would finish at, at like the yeah. bottom end of a transformation. And it reminded me of when I did my body, bodybuilding prep a few years ago. I uh, dieted down got my body like like so low and I got a notification through on my Apple watch and the notification through on my Apple watch was like buzzing saying go to hospital your heart rate's too low because it dipped below yeah. 40 and yeah. I've been waiting for the message off you to say I've got a notification off Siri to tell me I need to go to the hospital because my heart rate's too low um but yeah it's mad and in terms of the races themselves what's your race season been like so far do you do races consistently i know the next three weeks you've got a fair few races booked in
1: yeah i mean just going back to that that heart rate thing i think that's that's just uh that's just consistency you know and that's not something i i i particularly you know it's not an aim of mine to get my heart rate below a certain number it's just consistently running keeping fit playing football, trying to eat better, I think naturally you just see those improvements in your fitness and then obviously it pulls through in your heart rate as well. Um, now, I've, I've obviously got a whoop. I, I do wear an Apple Watch now and again to bed and <clears throat> the amount of times you wake up and you see that notification saying your heart rate fell below 40 and it's like a full, like at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's quite... It's a nice thing to see, I guess, on your watch because I mean, you just think, you know, low heart rate good level of fitness I think that's that's all I correlated to Mm -hmm. um so yeah but yeah going back to the race situation I think I only sort of race during the football season um either when it's the local events like the Chester 10k Chester half marathon um or you know in preparation for something bigger so obviously the the Copenhagen marathon in in May um important to get used to running in race situations prior to that so This weekend, I think I mentioned to to yourself I'm doing the Alton Park 16 miler. Now I did a 20 mile run last week with some marathon pace involved. Now this week's going to be of the full 26 kilometers or 16 miles um, at race pace just to get used to running at that pace for that duration but also in sort of a race environment and Alton Park, it's laps of the racetrack. It's going to be quite boring, you know, testing on the the mind. So it's a good sort of mental preparation. I think, you know, it's not going to be a big well supported race like you, you get a um, big event so yeah it's real like uh, knuckle down get get in the zone um get your splits right and just get through it and you know there's a hill i believe as well at Alton park <clears throat> which i'll have to do five times mm. um in the and so yeah it's going to be a real test basically mm-hmm. next week obviously the week after is chester 10k which a lot of our running club guys are doing so i'll get involved in that last year i paced some of the guys to get a sub 40 <clears throat> which might do again this year because that's you know that's my marathon pace, so I can I can use that as part of my session to to get people under that. Mm-hmm. And then the week after is Liverpool half again, just in preparation really, just to try and get used to running a race environment, so that when race day comes in Copenhagen, you're not a nervous wreck and you, you've not been in that situation before. It's just familiarizing yourself with being around other people, mm-hmm. getting used to taking the gels, getting used to wearing the kit, mm-hmm. Um preparing the night before what to eat what to drink all that sort of thing so it's just yeah it's just making sure you're prepared when you're going into it
0: yeah definitely and is this weekend the 60 mile are probably the biggest test you would have had so far before the marathon itself
1: yeah definitely like i say last last week's um 32k or 20 miles i keep going from kilometers to miles here but yeah last week's 32k you know half of it was at marathon pace so that's like 16 kilometers this week we're upping it by 10 and going to 26 kilometers at marathon pace so Give me a real good test and indication where I'm at fitness-wise. Um, now I've got a game Friday night as well, so I'll obviously have a rest day Saturday, then go into it Sunday. So it's you know it's a it's a busy weekend on the feet. Um, mm-hmm. So if I can sustain that for that 26 kilometres on Sunday, it'll give me a real confidence booster going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if it goes pear shaped, then then it might not be so confident. But um, yeah, it's a good indication to see where I'm at basically.
0: Yeah, definitely. And do you think it's important to get into those environments? I know you mentioned there about familiarizing yourself with nutrition and you know even like the environment when you're there and the vibe when you're there. Do you think it's important to be in those environments in the lead up to this this big event? Because I think in the past with me and even with my bodybuilding show that I did, which is very different, but when I first went on stage for the first time and I've only been on once, I was a complete nervous wreck. And looking back... I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't even know why I was nervous because when I came off stage, I was like, what's there, what's there to be nervous about? And it's just because there was so many unfamiliar things going on. Yeah. You know, there was people shouting and there was lights in your face and all this going on. And I think if you get yourself in those environments and you familiarise yourself with them and all like the stimulus that are happening that moment in time, it just relaxes you and it allows you to focus on the specific thing that you want to achieve. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, you need to familiarize yourself with that you know just basic stuff like dropping a bag off or getting yourself to the event before you start time and just yeah that nervous energy in the crowd that everyone has you know the toilet stops which are pretty gross at running events and <laughs> um, yeah no just familiarise yourself with everything and i you know the, the, the clients that i the train for for plans always encourage them to get races in, booked into the diary work towards a, you know a, a b goal if you like so that when, yeah, the, the A goal comes around, you've, you've been in that similar situation before. Now, Copenhagen Marathon is going to be a massive event. So, you know, Alton Park 16 mile is going to be nothing compared to that. But it's just having that, yeah, that anticipation, that preparation the, week, um, the day before, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Because um, mm. the amount of times people just turn up for races in new shoes or a new pair of shorts they've not worn before and end up getting blisters or chafe. And, you know, you think, why haven't I tried that before I, I, I ran? So, again, it'll be stuff that I'll consider wearing at Copenhagen Marathon, the shoes, the kit, um, Mm -hmm. the the nutrition strategy. So, you know, gel every 30 minutes or whatever it might be. Um, Mm -hmm. It's all just practicing, all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, it's just trying to replicate that environment before you actually go into it. So it just feels like a normal training day or a normal training run. And again, going back to my bodybuilding, a lot of of the things you do in the lead up to the event itself is manipulation with like your food, you know, you change your carbohydrate intake and your diet and you change your training. But if you do it properly and you do it well, you're actually meant to have like a trial peak week, they call it. So a, a trial week for the whole week leading up to the show itself, where you know exactly what you're going to be doing on each day, how your body's going to respond and what to do if maybe things go wrong. And because you've done all these things before, you get used to it and it keeps your stress levels nice and low. And then you know know what to do then on the day if things do go wrong or things do slip up.
1: Yeah, 100% completely agree. And it's it's the same in running, same with football. I guess you you you, you have friendlies and you go training in preparation for the match day at at the weekend as well. So it's just, yeah, familiarisation, isn't it? And just getting into those routines.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know you said something there about an A goal and a B goal and it intrigued me. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that?
1: I guess uh, in the running world, you know, you can do all the training in the world, but some days it just doesn't happen for you or it just, you know, it just might not be your day. And now, I'm sure in your situation you've been out for a 5K PB attempt before and it just hasn't happened for whatever reason. You're tired or you've not eaten properly or you've eaten too close to the race. Um, so it's almost going out there. Obviously, the, the main goal, if you like, the A goal is to go sub 250. Mm. But, you know, if something goes wrong on the day and you're not it's not quite feeling 100% or you you miss a drink stop or you have to stop for the toilet and the b goal is still you know the the second best option if you like so having that 3 or 4 minute buffer in my case mm-hmm. is the, the the second option now a goal and b goals might not even happen you know you might have to have a, a c goal and just complete the race but um mm-hmm. i think it's yeah especially in the marathon distance anything can happen you know they they say it doesn't the race doesn't really start till i think it's halfway so uh, the, the dreaded 20 mile mark is where it started for me the last the last two marathons you know they say you hit the wall and for me that's when I really struggled with sort of cramping mm-hmm. um, and just that that last 10k is, was absolute hell so uh, that's then maybe when you reassess things and say listen I'm not going to get my A goal today Um mm-hmm. it's time to just knuckle down and try and get the B goal
0: yeah nice I think for somebody who's quite goal driven that's quite hard to accept you know if you're really yeah. goal driven you really want to achieve this it's it's hard to accept to have a bit of a B goal, especially for me. Like I, I'm pretty all or nothing when it comes to what I want to achieve. And if I get something in my mind, I, I want to push to get it um, and yeah. sometimes by any means, but I think it's probably a more logical approach to do exactly that, uh, to have a little bit of something in the background to make sure you can rely on and you can move back to. Would you say you're quite a goal orientated person?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I perform better with a, with a goal in mind. I think, um, if I don't have a goal or something to work towards, I think training and performance can be maybe sometimes not 100% and don't always give my all if there's you know there's no outcome at the end of it. So I do always like to have something in sight or working towards. I think most of the time that's why I sign up for races or running events because then you know that 12-16 week block that you've got to training, you you know that that's the thought and all I've thought about and all I've spoke to you about is Copenhagen's Tub 250.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah. so that's been stuck in my head for for a while. So. But yeah like you say I I've got to have a a B goal if I you know cramp up or something happens the weather the t- you know you stomach issues you just don't know what's going to happen on the day mm-hmm. um so for example in uh London you know London marathon was like was so excited to do it I'd just done Edinburgh in 253 the year before and I was like got to beat 253 that's the A goal mm-hmm. um and then the cr- the weather was pretty grim I, my, um, and then I got such bad cramp at 20, uh, 20 miles and I was like, right, this, you know, I'm not going to get 253 here. I could see the time slowly slipping away and it's like, right, you've just got to get sub sub three hours here because mm-hmm. that's the qualifying time for next year. Um, and then I ended up getting 255 limping through the last 10K or so. But yeah, oh uh, you need to have that be goal, don't you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Did you find that affected you, like, from a mental standpoint, going into that marathon, not being able to achieve... Better than what you did the year before.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think initially when you finish, you think, um, well, that was grim. Um, at least I've done it. You know, I've got, i still got two fifty-five. That's great. But then I think once you go away and you've got, you know, time subsided a little bit, and you think, oh, you know, I think it's more pride than anything because you, you put out, I put out there that my goal's this, and you yeah. don't quite hit that goal. It's a bit like a bit of a sucker punch to your pride. But, um, you know, s- still, you know, two minutes. Difference from the first to the last across that sort of distance isn't a great deal, um, so still relatively happy with London. I think the plan is to get sub two fifty in Copenhagen, qualify for London again, and then go and go and smash it there next year, basically.
0: Yeah, redemption. Go back yeah. and yeah. Smash, your, smash it. Smash two or whatever they call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be cool. Yeah. And I know you mentioned there about the putting your times out and you know saying to everybody that i'm going to achieve this this is what i'm working towards and that's something that i have again on social media as well about kind of putting yourself out there a little bit you know sharing your goals and as much as it's good for the accountability aspect and it's good because it you know it keeps you moving forward it keeps you on plan but there is the other side of the equation as well is like the subconscious pressure that you feel to perform and especially with you now being obviously the founder of kilometer club and you know you've got Quite a lot of people running behind you and stuff like that. It's that, do you feel that pressure on the day-to-day basis?
1: Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I think you know, if you've got a running club and you're the face of this running club, you've got you've got to be a good runner at the end of the day. There's, um, yeah. it's I, I, for me. I think it's like personal trainers. You know, if as a personal trainer, if you're not in good shape yourself, then why would someone want to work for you or with you? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think you've got to you've got to portray that you're a good runner. Now don't get me wrong, there's so many runners out there that are better than I am, but I feel like I have to lead by example in in that case and um yeah, put put your goals out there, you know. They're meant to make you scared and nervous and you know, keep you wake keep you awake at night sometimes but the you know, the goals have got to be that big. If I just went, Oh, I just want to be two fifty three, which is my current best marathon time, then you know, it's not as exciting as going, right, let's go to sub two fifty, let's not four minutes off it. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think putting it out there. Sometimes people think I'm stupid for for going on about it too much, and people would rather just you know keep it to themselves and, and not tell anyone what their their, their aims are. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, put it out there and let let's, uh, let's celebrate it together when it happens.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think pressure is a privilege, and it's all about changing the perspective of that. Um because you can look at any single situation and you can view it in different lights. I think when it comes to this, when you do put it out there and you say, right, okay, this is what I'm going to achieve, or this is what I'm going to try and achieve anyway, um, yeah. and you talk about it in a way where you are going to do that with the right vocabulary, it does raise the pressure a little bit, but I believe that pressure is what forces you to be a better version of yourself, and I'm pretty sure this year around, and even like you coming to me for a little bit of help with your nutrition and programming and stuff like that when it comes to you know your gym training – That's probably one thing that you've not done before, which you're taking up another level um, and, you know, improving on. And I think maybe in comparison to previous marathons, if you look at this training block or, you know, the past six months, what have you been doing that has been different to previous years? Um, And I'm guessing that's probably come from that pressure of saying, right, okay, this 250 that I want to achieve. I'm going to do it. Um, so if you've not laid that out there, you're not going to go and find ways to make sure that it does happen, which in this case could be what we're doing together here.
1: Yeah, I mean if yeah, basically I wasn't I wasn't too happy with my performances from the 20 mile mark onwards, um, and I'm thinking in my head if I want to run faster times, I need to change that. You know I can't afford to let that last 10k just slip away. So for me, I I think I mentioned to you when I first approached it in my last marathon blocks. I think I put weight on training for a marathon just because I was thinking, coming back from a long run, let's raid the cupboards, let's eat anything in sight because, you know, don't get me wrong, marathon training makes you hungry. You could eat anything in sight, but I was probably just putting the wrong foods into me and hence why I was going into the marathon heavier than I was 12, 16 weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think personally that had an effect on my performance and um, potentially one of the factors to to the the. The drop off from the the, the last 10k basically
0: mm-hmm. so this
1: time round i wanted to make sure that um i was sort of lean well i am going to be as lean and robust as possible going into that race try and sh- shred a few pounds and kilometers so that i'm in yeah as good condition as possible for that you know my my, my theory is you know if i'm, I'm a little bit lighter I, I carry less body fat then you know running is is going to be easier for me and you know, you can just look at the, the elite marathon runners now, I'm not calling myself an elite marathon runner, but you see the physique on these guys. There's absolutely nothing of them, is there? And you wonder why mm-hmm. they're running so quick. So, you know, I've, I've obviously got more of like a football physique, I would say, but if I can remove any excess body fat that I don't need and be as light as possible going into the race, it's not mm-hmm. going to affect my football, then that's, that's what I want to do. And that's why I sort of reached out to you. So that's been the most important thing, I think, going into this, because I think my training around football has been great. The last two blocks, you know, maybe I'm going into the, the marathons with a bit of tired legs on the back of the football season because the timing's not great. But um, nutrition-wise, I think, I, like I say, I was just eating anything I could get my hands on when I got back from a run because I thought I deserved it and I thought I'd earned it, mm-hmm. um, where realistically it's not fueling my performance, really.
0: Yeah, and success leaves clues, like you said there, about marathon runners' look in a specific way. You don't always have to do that, but if you look at people who are achieving what you want to achieve, what are their routines like? What are their habits like? What's their body composition like? What's their mindset like? If you start to replicate all these things that this person who does what you want to do, chances are you're going to start to take steps towards being that in that place. So marathon runners, let's say mm-hmm. to sub-250 runners, what's their body composition, what they look like, how do they talk to themselves, what's their setup with their nutrition and their energy gels across the space today. These are all things that I think is important to look at if you're wanting to achieve a specific goal um, and go in that direction of, you know, towards that sub 250, as you say. So I know you mentioned before our run club and I know a lot of people listening may know who you are and obviously the Clometer Club itself, but some people may not. And for people who don't know, obviously Kieran is the founder of a Clometer Club, which is a run club in Chester has a fair few members now, and they 're doing runs every single week. It looks fantastic and they 're building a, a great community over there too it 's good to see because they 're getting everybody involved so where did this kind of passion come from, and why did you want to start a run club in the first place
1: um, it's a good question really the, the Where did the passion come from i'm, I'm not i 'm still not one hundred percent sure because there 's no sort of real role models or family members that were particularly into running. It's not like I you know, my dad or granddad's. or my granddad did London marathon when he was like sixty, seventy 70 odd, um, which I didn't really know until I I grew up. So I wasn't like inspired by anyone in particular. So I all I all my earliest memory of running was cross country at school. Um I quite enjoyed it. I was always sort of top three or four, never the best but always up there. And then I remember I I sort of took part in running in between the football season just to keep myself fit. You know, I like to go back to football, being one of the fittest lads there and being at the front of the running. Mm -hmm. So I used to just run um, in the summer basically. And then I, I, for whatever reason, I signed up for uh, the Great North Run when I was in sixth form. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was my first ever event. And I can't really remember too much of it now, but looking back, I wish I did because, you know, it's one of the best half marathon events out there. Um, but I think I've got a feeling I I did it for my mum's my mum's got MS so I did it for the multiple sclerosis charity and I think that's what sort of kick started it really so I raised a little bit of money by doing that and then I guess sort of got the bug from there but I I saw a photo of myself running it a few um, it was an old photo years back and got some awful trainers and socks and (laughs) I I had my uh, house key like wrapped round on a piece of string around my watch and had a Casio on and it was (laughs) It's mad how much running has evolved basically from then. but I definitely wasn't the coolest runner back then but um I think that's where it stemmed from really no real like I say real role models as such and um, did something for charity I guess and sort of stuck with it and I think we'll probably go on to speak about it but yeah the feeling I get from running it is probably why it stuck with me because it just you know makes me feel so much better after I've been and mm-hmm. like a different person when I come back
0: yeah and um, why do you think that is like why, why do you feel so good when you come back from it?
1: I don't know. It just uh I mentally feel so much better. My mind feels clearer. I feel like, for example, I'm talking to you today. I've done that 24k run this morning, easy run, midweek run, started at half six, finished at half eight, and just feel so much better about the day ahead. Now you know, full day of work, and I've got running club tonight, and it's just like feel in such a better headspace than I would have done if I'd had that extra hour or two in bed and then trying to squeeze it in and lunch hours or after work just running in the morning just makes me feel so much better and yeah the feeling i get after going for a run i don't know yeah it just clears my mind it makes things a lot more bearable um not that things aren't are unbearable in my life but you know what i mean it just makes me clearer and just c- can crack on with the day and
0: yeah, yeah. I think, just
1: like uh, uh, curiosity
0: yeah do you <laughs> listen to music when you're you're running or do you just not have headphones
1: I used to. I used to be that guy that, yeah, put your banging dance tunes on and, and away you go. But I think since I started taking running a bit more seriously, um, I, I rarely use headphones, to be fair. The only time I wear headphones is if I'm going on a, an easy run on my own um, mm. and I listen to a podcast or something. I don't really listen to music at all whilst running. And if I'm doing a, a speed session or a, 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 you know, a race or anything like that, no headphones, just concentrate mm. on on running and <laughs> breathing properly, basically.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And I was listening to something the other day about having mini holidays on the day to basis and bear with me with this because this is a, a really good thing that I think is important to think about for a lot of people because obviously a lot of people struggle mentally with a lot of things and physical activity we know is going to be really good for that. But I think having these times where you have these mini holidays and this is why I asked about your headphones because... You know, when you go for a run like this morning, that 24k this morning, if you go in the morning time when most people are in bed, you know, the sun's coming up, you haven't got headphones in, you're completely present, you're with your own thoughts and you're running, you're doing physical exercise. That's almost like therapy at the end of the day, because you are being with your own thoughts in your own mind and you are being completely present with yourself too. And a lot of the time, you know, when it comes to mental side of things and the things in which people struggle with it's because that they're outside of their own head or the, they're in their own head, sorry, and they're not actually thinking about the things that they need to in that specific moment because I think it's about bringing it back to here sometimes and bringing it back to the present. And I think running, I like to gym for me. You know, when I go to the gym, when I'm actually in that session, I'm not thinking about anything else. My mind is on the task at hand and I'm guessing for you it would be same for, for breathing and, and running and pacing or whatever it may be. But for me, it's just I'm getting this job done and after a workout for me, I just feel like elated. And not only because, you know, we're going to have the hormones rushing around the body and all that jazz, but I just feel like that's my time in the day where I get for me. And if I don't prioritize time for me and give myself that time to be completely present in the moment and have like this, this mini holiday where you don't think about anything else, you're just thinking about what you want to do and the things in which you have in that specific moment in time, it allows you to kind of bring everything back to here and now, and I'm guessing you feel pretty similar with running.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm completely the same. That it's it's that me time. It's that time away. You know, I'm, I wouldn't say my life's particularly stressful, but you know, stress is. I don't think about anything else when I'm out running apart from mm-hmm. par, par, apart from running. Now I do run with people a lot more now since I've started with the running club. Whether that's a massive group of us or just two or three of the lads that you know uh, wanted to do a similar session um and having that conversation that social time you know i much prefer that these days than going down the pub and having a pint with one of them i'd much rather say you know do you want to come for a 30 minute run instead and um yeah you both come back feeling physically better mentally better um Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's my me time and probably the same for you in the gym it's like suppose away for two hours this morning and then it's you know come back to it back to the day job and then we can crack on with the rest of the day then
0: yeah, definitely, and I think it's a different take, especially in this day and age. I think there is this massive transition from maybe people going to the pub and that's how they socialise and sitting and having a drink to to more so doing physical activity together. And that's why I love the idea of your run club as well, because it, it's not only getting people out and doing physical exercise, but it's a community and it's you know it's a team of people that can go catch up, have a bit of a chat, meet people, you know, meet new people, might even be able to meet you know a partner or whatever it may be. And you're facilitating that within a community. And I think that's like a a good gift that you can give to other people. Um, and I'm not sure if you realise that, but I think it's it's good to be able to give that to other people um, because a lot of people don't have that. And I think in this day and age, as we're moving away from a lot of people who do rely on alcohol or going to the pub and stuff and now lean on physical activity and, and running and the gym and stuff, having these places where they can go and talk and be open and honest, which I think during physical exercise is something which you do more of, is great and i've definitely made this switch as well because a few years back uh, i was having a bit of a rub back from my dad when i was at home so when i used to live at home when i came from university i used to go to the gym all the time i wasn't going out at the weekends and he used to call me a robot right he used to just say joe you're a robot you know i can't believe that you know you're not going out and seeing your friends you're not in the pub at the weekend because he was very much brought up in this this rugby culture and Because I wasn't doing that, he just thought that, you know, I I didn't have any friends or I wasn't really being very social and, you know, I wasn't doing the things that I wanted to do. But my idea of fun was totally different. It was going out and and running. It was being in the gym. It was having social time in those places instead of the pub. And for a lot of people... Um, having that is, is completely fine, you know, being able to find something else where you do enjoy that social time um, is, is good, and especially if it's constructive too, because if you're outdoors, if you're running, if you're chatting and talking to people, I think that's much better than, than being indoors a lot of time and, and, you know, drinking, for example.
1: Yeah, 100%, I mean, it, that's been, for me, the most rewarding thing is bringing people together that would never have crossed paths or would never have met each other, now there's, you know, it's over 150 members at the minute that the majority of which I would never have met if I hadn't started this running club um, and you know those people have made best friends they've made friends for life this is our first KMC couple who have who have just got engaged a, and a, and expecting a baby real soon as well um, so shout out to Zoe and Gary who were one of our first um, two that have joined so yeah I mean it's so rewarding for me and, and seeing you know people running together away from our runs as well it, it you know you look on Strava and you see some of the girls have ran got themselves a pastry or you know Mm. a few of the lads have got together and done an interval session down the greenway it's like those people would never have met if it wasn't for the kilometre club so for me that that's the most rewarding part and don't get me wrong you know we still have our social events like our summer parties and our christmas parties and our after the Mm. chester 10k there's the opportunity to you know have a few drinks as well but i like to try and involve yes other social occasions coffee coffee mornings you know work great with our sunday social and pizza nights and that sort of thing so it doesn't all revolve around alcohol um, but yeah th- yeah, I mean, everyone deserves a blowout every now and again don't get me wrong but yeah I think having that option to be sociable but still be healthy and um, you know do something that's not as damaging to the body uh, is important for me and I think that's the the main the main thing I'm trying to achieve with the running club and the, the people that have, have come into my life and the community that we've built, you know, they're all, they're all really great people and I'm, and I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for them for joining the club in the first place, but, you know, for sticking with us and supporting us and everything that we do as well. So, um, yeah, that's the most rewarding part for me.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And what's the vision with it? Because you've built it to this place now where you've got a great community, you know, 150 members. It's, it's a decent size, but where do you want to take it? What do you want to push it to?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it would be great for everyone who considers themselves a runner in Chester to run with the Clermontor Club. Now, don't get me wrong, there are other running clubs in Chester. Um, but, you know, for our sort of demographic, I would like to think if you if you like running and you haven't ran with us yet, why not, firstly? And, um, yeah, try and encourage as many people from Chester, firstly, to, to run with us. But I would also like to branch out into sort of other areas of the country, Um and sort of formulate sort of sub-kilometre clubs elsewhere as well so that um, other people can, can get, get involved and, and, and share the wealth because I know that when I say share the wealth, what I mean is, you know, other people get involved in, in the kilometre club because there's people from outside of Chester who, wanna, you know, who want to get involved or want a run club, but it's just too far for them to come. So maybe we can sort of go to them in a sense and set up sort of sub-communities elsewhere, really. So that's oh. uh Yeah, I'd love to do that. Grow grow Growers in Chester first and then move to to different areas.
0: Yeah, nice. And is this why you first started it in the first place? Is it because you didn't have a community of of like minded individuals who all wanted to run together? You didn't have that social. Is that why you first started it?
1: Yeah, um, so I first started the club basically because uh, there wasn't anything around here, I didn't think, for people of, of. of my age now there's, there's chester road runners um who run on a wednesday i think um just sort of a different demographic and a different background of people um i'd say there wasn't anything for our sort of age group so i originally started just going for runs with trying to get my brother to run who hated running i was just forcing him to come along and a few of my mates as well just saying you know come come with me let's try and get a few people together for a run so that's how it sort of originally started. Um, I went to New Zealand to play football for six months, and whilst I was there, I was brainstorming quite a bit, thinking, "What am I going to do when I get back? Mm-hmm. What would I like to do?" Um, so that's when the fir- idea first came to fruition. And then when I came back to, to Chester, that's when I sort of started it. Then, um, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, it took a while to to get kick to to really kick off. You know, we were getting I remember this one time it was me and two other lads turned up, and I was. It was chucking it down with rain. One of the lads was hung over and one of the lads turned up like five, ten minutes late and I was thinking, what am I doing? I, you know, giving up my Sunday morning to this. But I'm kind of so thankful that that happened in a way because those two people went away, better people, and, you know, they started their day mm-hmm. in the best way possible and that sort of kept me going then really and, and obviously it grew and grew from there but we did have, our, you know, our issues. It, we had lockdown shortly after I started it. Um, so we weren't able to meet socially and, and run so I was you know, trying to keep this running club going when we couldn't even run together so it was quite difficult at the, at the start, mm-hmm. we were setting sort of running challenges online originally mm-hmm. um, and then once the lockdown was eased then we sort of got people back together running socially but I'd say in the last year really it's really took off a little bit, we used to be absolutely overwhelmed with 10 to 12 people turning up for a run, now we're getting sort of you know, at least 50 40, 50, 60 most, most runs at the minute, which is, which is great. It comes with its headaches, but it's so good to see, um, you know, the amount of people that are coming together and making new friends. It, it's great, really.
0: Yeah. It's a joke. And you said something before about if one person can go away and, and feel great or be impacted, yeah. that's all that you want to give. And I think that's a, a great mindset to have. And that's something that I, I, like a stance that I've taken as well, in terms of my coaching and even like the content in which I put out on social media and stuff, because if if one person can take from, let's say the content which you put out or a run in which you put on, and they can go home and they can feel better because of it, or they can maybe get into running and be fitter and healthier and happier, or even like some of the things that we spoke over before. And I think you mentioned it was Zoe and somebody else who've, who've now got engaged. Um, Gary, yeah. yeah, Zoe and Gary, they've now got engaged. Like That's come from a seed in which you planted yourself because you took on the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm gonna get people together to have a bit of a yeah. run. And I think if, if more people can do that, the world will be a, a much better place because it has this massive ripple effect um, and it allows you to kind of impact lots of different areas of people. And I think that's absolutely great. And just going back to what you said there about how the the running club has progressed. And it reminded me of uh, a graph that I saw in a book that I read called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm not sure if you've read it, but he talks about the graph of latent potential. And basically it's like... Um, It's like time along the bottom and like the the rate in which you progress at along the top or the the vertical axis. And you're going along this graph and it's very stable for a long period of time. It's it's not linear um, in terms of the progression. And at the start, you might have got one or two people, five people, 12 people, whatever. But all of a sudden, you probably have this big surge. And I'm guessing that's probably been this past year because I've seen it go from, Maybe being, you know, 20 people, or I think I came down to a run once when we were doing like the back to yeah. Chester. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that might have been pre COVID. I'm not sure if it was I or not. Was. But,
1: I think it was. Well, I think would only been five or six of us there as well. We used to meet at the, the cricket club, but I think you have come to that one of those ones, I think.
0: Yeah, because I remember doing that. I think there was maybe 10 or 15 members. And then all of a sudden, if you fast forward three years to where you are right now, there's like, there's 50 people turning up midweek on like a Wednesday yeah. afternoon or a Wednesday evening. And yeah. when you look at the hard work in which you put in back then, and for you to persevere and to have that mindset of right, you know what, if, if just one person turns up, it doesn't matter, you know, I'll just go for a run with one person, as long as I have a bit of an impact there, that's great. And because you had that mindset, you're now in a position where you've got 50, 100, 150 members that are now coming to you for running and building this community.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like when I said, there was two people that turned up, and I was thinking about why am I doing this? You know, is this a waste of time? But then after the run, and you, you go back, and those two lads, you know, reach out to you and say, "Oh, thanks for that, mate." It made me feel so much better, or blowing my hangover away after that run. Thank God, that that's worth it for me. And um, I think, yeah, like I say, it's just been a bit of a, a ripple effect, and I think friends have told friends, and people have got people have got involved. So. Yeah, obviously just going back to Gary and Zoe as well. Zoe was has been with us from the start. Um, and then obviously Gary sort of joined a, a short while after. And it's just, yeah, it's so great to see. Zoe's like one of our run leaders. She yeah. takes um, a lot of our stuff now. She's getting a little bit bigger now in size because she's she's 30-something weeks pregnant. So she'll be stopping. She'll be slowing down soon. Um yeah. But yeah, she's been great. And it's yeah, I don't know. What, they've not asked me to be best man at the wedding or godfather yet which is a a bit of a shame but yeah it's just nice to have that little you know that little part related to to their their development really so yeah yeah it's very rewarding and and every week it it surprises me the amount of people that respond to to our events and you know we set up polls in the group saying who's coming and sometimes I'm blown away by the amount of people that come in tonight we've got a hill session or an easy run option we've got about 40 people want to do the hills and you know 15 or so just going to go for an easy run instead so yeah, it's it's so rewarding and for anyone who's in a similar situation or, you know, uh, it's not quite working for them at the minute, you know, be persistent, stick with it, mm. uh, believe in yourself. And if you're affecting just one person, then it's it's worthwhile doing.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And from like a selfish standpoint, because with what I'm doing here, I'm trying to build a bit of community of myself with everybody on the team, trying to push, you know, team runs a little bit more, getting people together. What is it that you think is important about building a community for people to come to, to people to be a part of?
1: I think you've just got to be, you've got to be warm, you've got to be welcoming, you've got to not be a knob. I think you know if if you're a good person, that, that you're halfway there. So I'd like to think people think I'm I'm an all right person. That's why they came along in the first place. They trusted what I was doing. They liked, you know, the the thought process behind it, um, and that's why they kept coming along. I think you know if you're trying to build that community, make make the the events or the the things that you're doing a little bit unique can you add social events into it can you add can you encourage people to talk during it now sometimes you know people come to our runs and people try and talk to one another and everyone's out of breath and they're like just you know leave me alone for a second i'm trying to catch my breath here but there's that opportunity then afterwards whether we do a coffee um, or we go for a pizza, or go for a beer, or whatever. It's then that opportunity as well to have a chat to someone new. And you know, we mm-hmm. get a lot of people who have just moved to Chester and they're looking to meet new people. Um, and before they know it, you know, they've got a whole new group of friends and they're, they're socialising, doing other things as well away from the running club. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, offering something unique, I would say, and just being yourself. Um, you know, do what you're good at, do what you enjoy doing, and hopefully people will follow you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And just kind of transferring across from this to maybe your, your football as well, because I think this is quite interesting how, obviously, you, you lead a running club and you've got now 150 members and you're the face of it. And you're also yeah. the captain of... The face of it. <laughs> Great looking face, mate. Don't, don't put yourself down. Um, no, now you're the captain of ballatown as well. So, you know, you're captain of football club, Welsh yeah. Premier League. So you're a leader. And you're a natural leader, and you can see that. Um, And I think, you know, the traits in which you've described there about being yourself and being honest and, you know, giving people an open space to be themselves too is, I think, important traits of being a leader. Um, Because, you know, if you can do that, you can bring the best out of people in certain situations. And I wanted to pick this apart a little bit because I'm quite interested about, obviously, your football career because you've been there for uh, 11 seasons, am I correct?
1: Yeah. 11, Eleven years this year and this is my first year as captain. Um, nice. so I think it was sort of given to me because probably the obviously the, the longest serving player I think I've 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 made the most appearances for Ballarat out of anyone now. Um so it was maybe the obvious choice to give me the captaincy this year. So the manager just pulled me in pre season and said, you know, do you wanna do you wanna be the captain? And obviously hundred percent wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, are you talking then about being a leader? I don't think, you know, that's not something I ever thought I was or wanted to be. I just sort of, in terms of football, just try to lead by example, you know, do what you're meant to do away from the pitch, do your business on the pitch um, and lead by example that way. I'm not the most vocal, I would say. Maybe I've become a little bit more vocal recently, but maybe not as vocal as some captains out there. Um, But, yeah, just try and be hardworking, honest, approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, hopefully the the lads think I'm a good leader. I'm not too sure. You'd have to ask them, but um, you know, I've in, I've really enjoyed being the, the captain this year,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, obviously enjoyed being the, the leader as such at the running club as well. So I mm-hmm. suppose got a bit of a leadership role these days, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you grow into it naturally. It's not like you say, right, I, I want to be a leader. Like, I want to ch- I choose to be a leader. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go in pursuit of being a leader. I think it's something that where you, you kind of naturally grow. Or you say you naturally have the traits of a person who could be a leader and then people attract to you as a person, which I think is good. And I think if you if you get that naturally, I think you are kind of a, a natural-born leader in some sense. And if you are, let's say, the captain of, of Bala, but also you've got this run club now, You're definitely one of those people, which is good. And I want to pick that apart a little bit because there might be some people who are listening who are a little bit of a leader themselves or they have a little bit of a community in some sense of, let's say, a run club or they're a coach or they're a trainer or, you know, they want to improve their leadership skills in some sense. With you being in the position that you're in, could you give any advice to them people of how they can improve their leadership skills? What are the things in which they can do to move forward or improve their situation?
1: A bit of a difficult question. I mean, like I said, I don't don't see myself as a leader, but I think what I've tried to do is just be, like I say, honest, um, hardworking, approachable. You know, communication skills, I think, are important, particularly with the running club. You know, you need to... Mm we're doing this, this time, this place, who's coming, you know, you need to be organised in that sense but I think that probably carries through to the football as well so, you know, getting the lads together almost that middleman between the, the players and the and the gaffer and also in charge of the fine list at, at Baller as well so we've got to get the fine money in and, and you know, get <laughs> lads that are not wearing the flip-flops in the showers and all that jazz but, uh, that's a bit off topic but yeah, I mean, just, just trying to be, uh, trying to be a good person and, you know, I think I think approachable's an important one for me because there's nothing worse than you know years gone by when you've got those captains that you feel like you can't even speak to because they're quite aggressive and arrogant and you know I think captaincies have changed a little bit these days in football I think it's more being a uh, you know a good role model it's seeing other people uh, wanting other people to follow what you do you know mm-hmm. doing your extras after the after training or getting mm-hmm. those runs in which is no problem for me you know away from football. Um, So, yeah, being approachable, being honest, being hardworking, I think they're really important characters of a leader.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's what you said before about making sure that you're leading by example, not just talking the talk, but also walking the walk at the same time as well. I think that's so important to make sure that you're leading by example in what you're doing. And I think if, let's say, for the players at Ballot, if they can see you off the field doing 70K of running per week, and you're also collecting the fine money yeah. and you're also doing this and you're also staying late and turning up early and making sure you're five minutes there before everybody else because they see that they see that work ethic and then because your standard and your bar is set so high it raises everybody's else everybody else's subconsciously and it's about leader by example you are the shop window for the situation that you're in
1: yeah setting standards yeah i think i think that that's important i think the captains before me have always been good at that so I've probably taken that from previous captains at Balla. Um but yeah like like you're saying there I think it's 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 so important just to you know do the extras. I think a lot of the lads at Balla as well because we get asked to do a, quite a lot of running away from football uh, away from training. A lot of the lads have got, got quite into the the running as well and I think I've inspired that a little bit some of the the lads from the Mario are out you know just as much as me at the minute they really got into their running. Mm-hmm. Um and it's great to see and you know it's that having that that influence on people a positive influence obviously Um, that's what I'm just trying to do You know, if I can encourage anyone the the whole reason I set up the running club in the first place was to encourage and inspire people to go out running because Mm -hmm. of the feeling it gave me I wanted to share that with other people Um, Mm -hmm. it's just a free natural high Mm -hmm. as such now people will think I'm a bit weird saying stuff like that and a bit cheesy like I'm on drugs or something but for me you get back from going for a run you never ever regret going you'll always feel better for, for doing it so yeah, that's that's why I set it up really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever done an ice bath, Karen?
1: No, um I am terrified of cold water. I'll be completely honest. That just, <laughs> I just can't get my head around it. Yeah, I know you do it, and a lot of my mates are into it as well. um But just, I went, I did a through Lululemon. We went to the farm club um mm. a few months back. It was just before Christmas, and we did the. I was. I said to myself, "I'm not going in that lake. I'm not I'm not doing it." And the guy there was brilliant, to be fair, and he encouraged me to get in. And oh, mate, it was. It. I felt better when I got out, but it was just <laughs> horrible, horrible getting that cold lake. But again, yeah. I think that's probably w- why you do it is because of the feeling it gives you after it. I, I presume. Exactly. Um,
0: yeah. 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 Exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like the feeling that I get after that. And I know it's such a difficult task. Like when I got into it this morning, it was literally the last thing that I wanted to do. Like I, the, the last thing I wanted to do is go outside in a pair of shorts, freezing cold, getting that ice bath because it was freezing cold. But it's yeah. the feeling that I get after it. it. And it is like literally like taking drugs. It's, it, it's the feeling yeah. of taking drugs. You feel so good. It's a high that you get. And I don't think that's cheesy. I think that's something that we should normalize to talk about because when people do start to, to get that high or feel that feeling it's something that they will actually go in pursuit of and they'll start to do more of
1: yeah i think um i'd, I'd much rather go for a 20 minute run than a, a minute in the ice bath though yeah, <laughs> give me the the run any day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, maybe that, one, maybe one day i'll come into it i think i think as you well, with the with the marathon training you know the recovery purposes of it are probably beneficial for me but just not there yet i'd much rather go in a nice warm pool at, Hilton or a jacuzzi or something else instead. Uh,
0: maybe that's the sub-250 marathon. It's got it written all over it.
1: <laughs> Don't say that, mate. I'll be buying one this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, oh, I think it'll be good. Um, so with Bala and um, the setup there, I'm actually quite surprised at how you train once per week. I was quite surprised at that. So yeah. why is the setup like that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing obviously that's quite unique with being the club that you are and at the place that you are as well.
1: Yeah, I think... Um, uh, Partly to do to, probably because the manager maybe he's been there over 20 years Colin now so he's probably um, quite I don't know if it's because he's quite old school in his ways a little bit he just you know he wants to train once and then we, he sets us stuff to do away from training um, or potentially the fact you know geographically you know Ballard is you know a way away for some of the players you know a lot of the lads live North, north Wales Liverpool, Chester, some of the lads are real South Wales so Logistically, it's difficult to get to, so that might put pump some people off playing or signing for the club. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, um, but a lot of the teams in our league yeah, are training two, three, four times a week as well. So, I think to be, you know, doing what we're doing, we're, we're currently third in the league. You know, we've we usually finish within the top three. I think potentially punching above our weight a little bit, considering everyone else is getting a little bit more time on the grass than us, but. Um, yeah, we'll we'll keep trying to do it, and you know it seems to be working at the minute. So I guess if it's not if it's not broke, don't fix it, sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing that I've started to lean into a little bit more this year is when you're in a situation like in my case when I'm coaching and the team is giving every single one of the team as much trust as I possibly can, and that doesn't always mean you know as many touch points across the week. It doesn't always mean making sure you you kind of man managing somebody and you're on the back twenty four seven because I think that can actually bring in quite a negative. And if you kind of, let's say, bring a team together, so in your sense and say, right, okay, we're going to be training once per week, we're going to be doing you know skill-based drills or whatever it may be on that day, it's up to you to go away and do all your cardiovascular work. So do your runs, you know, get out, make sure you're working hard, you're in the gym, you're training, you're prioritizing your nutrition. I think if you give somebody the trust that they go away and they do that, and then they do do that, I think sometimes it actually brings about a better outcome than what you would do than if you were to say, right, you've got to be here at this time, you've got to do this, you've got to do this three times a week. I think sometimes that's quite a negative environment to be in.
1: Yeah, I think he, he probably puts a lot of trust in the lads that he signs, that he knows, you know, he gets the right characters in, that he knows are going to do stuff away from training as well. So it's not just the case of, you know, you turn up once a week to train and then that that's it. You know, you've got to put the work in elsewhere. Otherwise, you, you know, we will get left behind and we mm-hmm. will drop down the league as, as such. But... Um, yeah, you know, credit credit to him because it's it's worked for the last twenty twenty one years however long he's been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me it work it works well obviously because with my other commitments and I know for some of the other lads as well work commitments and and family life might it that might affect if they would sign for ballet if you know if if they increased it to two or three times a week I don't know if some players would be able to commit to that. So mm-hmm. it's finding that right balance I think isn't it.
0: Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I think that's, again, something that's important is picking a, a plan that's sustainable for you. And that's not just in a football sense as well. So obviously, a lot, a lot of the lads on your team might have another job alongside it or might have other commitments and a family in which they have to look after. And it's about finding a situation where you can actually be consistent with So if you can be consistent at a training once per week, every week for the whole year, instead of maybe trying for two or three times, then missing sessions throughout and then missing out on those things and not feeling good from, you know, missing those sessions from a mental standpoint, but also from a physical standpoint, it actually results in a better result from you taking a bit of a step back to begin with, picking something in which you can be sustainable with and then sticking with that. And that's the approach that I love to take when it comes to programming and setting things up. And I think it's one thing that a lot of, let's say, trainers or coaches miss out on is they're constantly thinking about what's optimal, what can we do, you know, the most of, what? what's optimal right now. But what's optimal isn't always what's sustainable. And there's this difference between the two. And I think it's important that you do find a happy medium between the two, because that's where usually you get the best results. And also you can be the most consistent. As you said before, with your running and your fitness, consistency is the most important element of it all. So I think it's yeah. important to to include with. Now, I know you've got a lot of things going on. So obviously you've got football, you've got a job alongside that, you've also got the uh, KMC, so the Kilometre Club and the Run Club. You've also got your Copenhagen Marathon coming up. You're training with myself with some things as well. So there's a lot of things for you to be juggling at once. And for some people listening, they may be thinking how the fuck is he got all these things going on like how how the hell is this happening so how do you juggle it all because sometimes from like a mental standpoint some people can't even you know clean the bedroom in the morning never mind have all these things happening
1: yeah no don't get me wrong it's difficult and you know i've got a a girlfriend and a family that you know you also have to consider with doing all these other activities so um, yeah, it's difficult, but for me, I, I feel like that's where I perform at my best is when I'm busy and and you know my days are filled with bits and bobs. It's when I, I I'm the best version of myself, if you like. If I've got time off or time to think, well, not necessarily time to think, but yeah, if I've got more time to myself, I I don't perform as well. I'm probably not ni- as nice to be around. I feel like filling my diary and and having loads of stuff to work towards and and uh, you know attend to makes me a better person and, and, and a nicer person to be around and um, now maybe you have to check with family members with that but yeah it's also important you have to obviously prioritize family time as well and make sure you know you do sometimes leave leave it at the door put your phone away at certain times and mm-hmm. um, I have tried to be a little bit better at putting my phone away at, you know f- from nine o'clock at night and stuff like that I sleep with my phone in the other room at the, these days as well just just little stuff so that I'm not as distracted and more present with girlfriend and and family members and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's difficult. Don't get me wrong. Um, some days you, you, I am. Some days I am quite stressed. But usually, once I've been for a run, I feel like you know what, what you're stressing about. This is everything that you want to do. You want to play football. You want to run. You know, you want to organise running events. You want to do this. So w- what you're complaining about. So mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah, I think that just makes me a better person. Doing being busy basically.
0: Yeah, definitely. And have you taken steps to get there as well? That wasn't just a situation where all of a sudden you click your fingers and then all these things are going on. Suddenly you can control it all. It's it's been a process, right?
1: Yeah, a learning process. I think I really found it difficult to, to juggle it all at the start, um, particularly as well as the running clubs grown this last year. You know, you, it does take up more time and, and planning and organising, um, but also sort of leaning on other people a little bit. We've got some really good members and some who have been with the running club for quite a while who are happy to sort of help me out now and again even if it's organizing social events I've Got mm-hmm. sophie who loves doing stuff like that so i might get her to sort my stag do out one day whenever i need one <laughs> um, but we've got like mark sean zoe uh, and Nikki, who as well who, who are our are, are run leaders as well so they are, are qualified to take groups now mm-hmm. Um so originally at the start you know it was a, a big emphasis on me Obviously I wanna be there as much as I can but now and again there's times where I physically can't make it and it, you know, those guys will step in and lead the group for me. Um, because having good people around you as well I think is really important. But yeah, in terms of running, obviously my mileage has increased a lot. I think that that's been a, a slow progression as well. There's you know, there's no doubt you can't you can't just turn up and run eighty kilometres one week and expect to do it the next. I think you, you know you've got to gradually gradually get there. I think in running there's that sort of 10% rule, you know, increase it by 10% your mileage every week mm. um, and, you know, make sure 80% of your runs are easy, 20% are at pace or, a, a, you know, higher intensity. Um, that's just a generic rule. But, yeah, you, you, you do run the risk, I suppose, of, of blowing up, getting injured, becoming, you know, making yourself ill and, and, and tired and that sort of thing. But I think, you know, touching on sort of whoop scores and putting my phone away, have been really important, you know, really trying to nail down my sleep in the last year or so. Um mm. You know, ten o'clock for me is—I'm usually asleep by, and you know, I need to make sure I get my eight hours in, basically. So I've really prioritised my sleep, hence why I've put my phone in a different room. Mm-hmm. Um So I think, yeah, sleep for me—I'm—you I'm, know—is as, as important as anything. I think I'm such a better person after a good night's sleep, and I can perform at my optimum. And I think, you know, I've shared some stats with you, haven't I, with the, the resting heart rate and the sleep scores and that sort of thing? I think my sleep's pretty good, um which allows me probably to do be as active as i am being
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think some people listening and even with other podcasts as well i listen to people other people listen to other people and it's easy to compare yourself to different situations so somebody could be looking from the outside in at you and thinking why why can't i do that why can't i have all these things going on but i think it's important to understand that there is a, a process in which you go through that gradually over the years and the months and the weeks that you've been able to get to this position it's not just been a click of the fingers and overnight all of a sudden you're here yeah. it's, it's taken time for you to be able to learn and manage and understand even across all areas of your life not just with football and just with running and increasing your running volume but also like how you do manage your relationships and your family yeah. and little things like, like you said there about leaving your phone in the other room when it comes to bedtime or yeah. making sure you're being more present with your family in the time in which you are with them These are all small little strategies which you've learned through experience, I'm guessing, through being able to balance all these things at the same time. And they're the things that go a very long way. I think it's all these small little decisions that we make in the moment that allow us to have all these things going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's taken time. You know, I I used to have my phone plugged into the side of my bed and hate that thought of, you know, you and your partner sat there scrolling on your phone at, 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 at bedtime. Like, it's just... For me, that you know, that's not how it should be. You should be present with your partner at that that sort of time, and or, or just go to sleep, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you know, keep the phone elsewhere because you know a lot of my work comes through the phone these days. You know, inquiries about the running club, organising the running club. So I'm on my phone a lot in the day, and you know, I would love to spend less time on my phone, um, but almost feel like you know you you have to have to, you have to be on socials and, and be present on on social media and emails and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's taken time to get to that point and I think I've still not obviously nailed the nutrition side of things, hence why I've reached out to you as well. So there's you know, there's still room for improvement on a lot of it. Um and it I could easily, you know, compare myself to other runners out there who are getting two thirties, two twenty marathon um, yeah, two thirties, two twenty marathons and think, why aren't I in that position? Mm-hmm. You know, but then you've got to realize. Well, they're not doing what I'm doing. They've not got a running club to commit to. They've got not got a full time job. They're not playing football on the side. You know, maybe one day I can get there when I'm not playing football. But for now, I'm I'm happy just you know aiming for that sub 250 and concentrating on myself really.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to be understanding of that. A lot of people they're comparing themselves and running a race that's somebody else's race to run. And I think the fact that you can do that is actually a really good strong point. Being able to sit back and say, you know what, I have got all these things going on. Running a sub two fifty or a two fifty marathon, while I do have all these things going on, is actually an unbelievable achievement. I know that maybe if I did have more time from not doing this or not doing that, I might be able to progress a little forward a little bit quicker. But you don't and this is the position that you are in currently and i think the fact that you've been able to focus inwards on yourself instead of looking outward to anybody else and comparing and relating and thinking about that is good because it allows you to focus on you and then you can be the best version that you can be and take one step forward every single day so Kieran it's been good to have you on i do appreciate you coming on for the podcast it's been a good chat even to get you know get to know you a little bit more in regards to like the process as a whole and if anyone's enjoyed this podcast, obviously give it a bit of a share to anybody. If anyone thinks it'd benefit from it, give it a share to friends, family, or anything like that. But once again, Kieran, appreciate you having you on and uh I'm sure we'll speak soon.
1: Yeah, no worries, mate, sorry I lost you briefly there, but really really enjoyed the chat and um yeah, I obviously really enjoying working with you at the minute as well and, and seeing that progress. So we've got nine weeks, mate, to 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 make more progress and make sure we get that that target. So No pressure, mate, but you've got to pull your finger out if we need to get to (laughs) sub-250.
0: I work well under pressure, mate, so sub-250 is happening. Let's do
1: it. Pressure is a privilege.